Yeah, uh, I well, I am curious. Wait, because I know Dan Trachtenberg did Ten Cloverfield. What else has he done besides Ten and Cloverfield Lane? Which is, is a good. Is this one. person related just... to um, Michelle Trachtenberg? Is she a part? No, is that's she, like, a good question. Him? I don't know. Good, yeah. No, because that was her name when she was in Pete and Pete, oh. and that was she was <laughs> yeah. like eight in that you hold on hold on let's not be judgmental let's not jump to conclusions he could have taken her name he also could be your brother that's well it's not march so <laughs> yeah yeah we can't talk about that apparently he's doing a Waterworld tv series that has been announced that could be dope yeah he's a director of an episode of that he also has directed a bunch of the boys which i didn't realize because i have not oh, watched the boys okay. yet um, yeah i, I like haven't watched any of oh, the season haven't... but I haven't watched the new one either, but I, I'm not a superhero person, but I really enjoyed The Voice. Yeah, I feel like it is a movie made for that type of person <laughs> who's kind of like uh, not into the what's going on in superheroes right now. I mean, it seems to appeal to everybody, but like it, I hear it's a great send up of that type of stuff. I just oh, don't yeah, get I, it. Carl <laughs> Urban is, good. is just so amazing in that role. I love Carl Urban, yeah. Like his whole, the whole speech that he does about, uh, uh, God, what were their names? The Spice Girls is just, it's in the, the like first season. It's just phenomenal. It cracks me up every time. But yeah, no, Prey, Prey is going to be really good. I, I hope so. Hoping. I hope so. I, uh, I'm a little put off by the fact that it's going straight to streaming. I know it doesn't mean anything. Obviously, a lot of straight to streaming movies can be pretty can be good. But it's like, I don't know. It's just some kind of a personal bummer, I guess. I want to see a Predator movie in the theaters. In theaters a good Predator yeah. movie. Yeah. I'm trying to convince my friend who lives in like a, a big building that has a personal theater to be like, hey, we should watch this on That'd when be cool, it comes man. out. It's a good movie. Uh, but I... I feel the same way. Like, there are movies that are going straight to streaming that I'm like, I would pay money, sit down in a theater with popcorn to watch this. The most egregious one recently was the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie. That would be fun. Yeah, I would have enjoyed that. I, the movie, I, I only watched half of it know. and fell asleep, but, you know. Oh, yeah. That would have been fun, though. Something that, like, um, I don't want to say experimental, but that, like, because uh, the animation was all pretty interesting, the way they were handling mm. that. You know? A lot of, like bizarre energy but yeah, yeah i haven't watched it yet because i would if it was in theaters i would be like oh i need to go see this instead of like <laughs> right. i can put it on anytime within the next six weeks it's always going to be there yeah this is just a random question because i just thought of it talking about predator because i mentioned seeing a predator movie in theaters and uh do you guys just have a a recent movie because it just happened to be with the predator the recent one um that uh that what is it? shane black that shane black wrote and directed mm-hmm. but it's a movie where you are wanting to like it so hard that it takes like a couple of days for you to realize how bad something is Have you guys had that with a movie before because like i watched that movie and coming out of it i was like you know what i liked it like it had some rough edges it's like you know a little shaky here and there but this part was good and then i think about it for a couple of days and decide i hate it <laughs> I've had the opposite happen or something, you know, when I'm like, I, uh, yeah. like in the earth, for example, I didn't hate it. But, you know, like I, I watched yeah. it and I was like, what, what am I feeling? What was that? And then after a couple of days, I'm like, I think I really liked it. I think I need yeah. to go back and watch it. And then on the second watch, I'm like, yeah, I like this. And the third, third watch, I'm like, yeah, I definitely like it. Yes. Um, 
That's happened to Memphis me quite a bit, too. I I think my Crimes of the Future watch was kind of like that. I was not very vibing with it in the theater. Like, there's quite a few good things that I like. I've kept thinking about it, and I I don't know if my score rating would change. Hmm. But I have... I've come to appreciate a few other things about it. It's still kind of a mess to me. I think there's a lot of a lot of threads he tries to play with and then not do anything with in the end. And I'm like, I why? Yeah, I I feel like I do that with a lot of Cronenberg. I've done that with Cronenberg in the past. That's definitely how mm-hmm. I viewed Videodrome. Uh, I didn't dislike Videodrome on a first watch, but I was like, I literally don't get a single second of this movie. And it, it I was always into Videodrome, like that ending. Yeah. I mean, I'm into the visuals, of course. Yeah, but then yeah. like uh, when I rewatch Videodrome, I feel like every time I watch it, it's like I something new pops out to you, and like mm-hmm. another facet of it becomes interesting. I, I say, like Cronenberg is a that happens to me quite a lot. I mean, it happens to be a shiver too for this podcast. I believe that um, the movie that you just mentioned, Videodrome, is on Tubi currently in the U.S. I love it. That's actually, yeah, it's amazing. It's one of the ones that uh, I upgraded to Blu-ray from my criteria, original Criterion DVD collection. Like, I should buy the Blu-ray. That's one of my favorite Criterions because the the spine looks like a VHS tape with video. Oh yeah, no, but the cases it looks like casing is so cool. Yes, that's what it is. Betamax, yeah, yeah. because that's that's what the video drone tapes. What are we doing here? Oh, well, this is a <laughs> podcast. This is the weekly podcast massacre. Uh, I am your dreadful host for this evening. My name is Michael from Portland. Nope, that's wrong. I'm Murphy from Portland, but everyone calls me Michael. Strange. And I have two wonderful guest hosts with me today. You're not guest hosts. You guys are just regular hosts. <laughs> I am all over the place. Because I just want to do any of that over. No, we're leaving it in. I rewatched the movie right before. Strange. And I'm, oh. Yeah, you're in that I'm nervous all, headspace. I'm all into it. Yeah, exactly. I am just like Jesse Eisenberg's. I'm mm-hmm. f- frantic, nervous. Uh, but yes, I have two lovely hosts with me. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, I am Greg from Los Angeles, and suddenly there's a second guy, a, a different guy, is on Murph's, you know, Murph's screen right now too, but. Mm-hmm. you know another dude who looks more confident and uh i don't know easier a little to more handsome to. Yeah. yeah i'm kill and i will never have a doppelganger <laughs> you're too unique to be copied yes i think too it's unique. just i'm too boring <laughs> well that's the whole idea of this movie right is that he's so boring nobody notices he has an exact double that's just i like, can't be the same guy you know well, like he's unnoticeable. Yeah, that's true. What, yeah. what was the? You're a not a bit of a non-person, as exactly. as he is described as. Yeah, he's so uh, but yes, We talk about horror movies, and we have a new theme every month. We are almost about to wrap up Gemini June. We are talking about doppelgangers, doubles, any evil twin type of situation. That's what we're covering. And today is a, I was going to bring it back because I originally saw this one in theaters and I think I really loved it coming out, but this is the 2013 The Double. It was directed by Richard Iwade, who is 
pretty well known as Moss in the IT crowd. Uh, a big hit. And he even played Moss in the American pilot that they tried to make with Joel McHale. Right, yeah, you can't uh, you can't replace that character. It was someone that they just could not, they wouldn't dare cast a, a different person as Moss, which is cool. That's a, obviously that didn't it, work out, but that's a cool decision. It made though. it very weird with him being British. Yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> who, who could they have cast? Like, I mean, Jesse Eisenberg might not have been a bad. Maybe. But he wouldn't have had the same No, Moss there's something energy. so specific about his, yeah, about his, his energy. Yeah. Kill, did you watch IT Crowd? Yes, not the American. Of, co- thing. of course. I don't think anyone did, but. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. Yes, I well, love Richard Iwade. I had He's zero great. idea until you picked this movie that he directed anything, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that was a He that was hasn't a cool done anything since. He has one upcoming project on IMDb. But I, I think the thing about this movie, I think I love the direction more than anything else in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, I, definitely. I really enjoyed this movie, but, like, the way that he presents all of it is so yeah. magical, yet uh, dark and kind of off-putting. Right, there's, like, a whimsical nature to it, even though it's pretty, like, foreboding. Dystopian. Nihilistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it... it Definitely reminds me of Brazil. Like oh, up that's in, number one. To the yeah. most part, yeah. A little bit of Rear Window thrown in there. Ooh, the yeah. soundtrack to me is like on par with Vertigo as well. That I score. love the soundtrack, yeah. I watched an interview where so he talked good. about uh, Vertigo specifically for this movie, too. It was an okay. influence. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the piano motif, sort of the soundtrack that plays throughout it, is actually a song called Der Doppelganger by Schubert oh, okay. and the lyrics to the song it's about a man who has an evil twin so it's yeah. I thought it was very it was a really good score it was very haunting and it was serious yeah. and kind of fun too so it was really interesting to see that um it was cool that they incorporated that when it has the song has the same meaning yeah, yeah. it's a he, it, it's a great soundscape altogether like I thought the sound design in this was fucking excellent like it is yeah. up there. So, like, in addition to Brazil, it reminded me a lot of Eraserhead as well, in the way that you have like the, the foreboding, oppressive nature. I, it, yeah, the elevator, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like an, that oppressive nature of like the city around him and all the noises and the, the the sounds you hear, like it totally feels like when he's walking to the city in Eraserhead. And there's quite a few shots that are almost almost identical to like the uh, wiping off of the eraser. Yeah, totally. Bits, you know, where there's just kind of dust all around him. Like there, I feel like there were two or three of those shots like that. But uh, yeah. so this was originally a novella written by Dostoevsky. It was adapted. I guess the story by credit was given to Avi Karin, and then it was written by Iowade and Karin. We have Jesse Eisenberg as our lead, as Simon James, who is the meek version and then james simon is introduced he's the more confident version um it's funny because you know he's in an ill-fitting suit all of the time and it would have maybe been just a little bit of a, a better difference to have that james suit be a little bit more tailored to the actual i had the exact same right. feelings 
even yeah. right off the bat as soon as we meet the guy and the person that i watched this with also said the same thing where the confident dude needs a more fitted suit and i think he would be more stylish is his mm-hmm. like uh simon's suit is it's it's not it doesn't fit him very well it's very baggy and the it's pants just are kind huge. of a plain it's very plain color to kind of help him like yeah. you know sink into the background but i feel like james would have a more uh, yeah, more tailored suit with with more fashionable, different color, maybe like a nice tie. Totally, I had the same thought that he was not visually distinct enough from uh, from Simon the way he dressed specifically. I think Eisenberg well, does great with the body language, but yeah. the clothes still don't really work. Yeah, there is great body language. Like as there's a scene where they're walking like right next to each other, and you can tell which one is Simon, the meek one, because of the way he like fiddles with his fingers and hands. Yeah, and James is just like walking. There's nothing bothering him in it, but we do have a great scene with uh, James in a Hawaiianish type shirt. Like that's really the only kind of clothes difference we get, and it, I that's think right. it's a funny look. It's it's yeah. real good. I tried to look up where if I could see uh, if I could buy that shirt too. That's buy totally that shirt. my style. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think that? Uh, Eisenberg was a good fit for this and I ask this because this movie was almost made in 1996 directed by Roman Polanski and starring J- uh, John Travolta that would have been such a weird choice I don't know if he's ever played anyone as like if it's the sim- if a similar idea where one's meek and one's confident it's I've called never the seen double it was supposed to be meek. called the double wow he said yeah, 96 and it's based on- right Yes, yeah. it's based on the same novel. It's supposed to be very, very similar. And it, the reason that it didn't, it wasn't uh, finished or anything is because I guess Travolta and Polanski had a fight over some changes in the script. And then after Travolta, <laughs> that's not surprising. Off. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Two hard-headed artists come together. Yeah, I would have liked to see. Cause I I had the same thought about Travolta. Like I don't know how he would play that meek, yeah, character like that. That's what I'm thinking. Cause I'm trying to think what else he was doing. Like right around this time, I um, like Michael like Mad right? City. Do you remember yeah. Mad City? Well, Battle Battlefield Earth or Battlefield Earth is a little later than that. I think. Yeah, but like, it would be like ninety nine. Ninety six is like his Mad Michael City. or Michael year. Too. Michael. Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting because I feel like. This is just speculation, but I know a lot of stars, and I think male stars are in that time. There wasn't a lot, there's not a lot who played like self deprecating, like this role requires you to. I think a lot of actors are always kind of like, yeah, but I want to look confident and like manly in this movie. I feel like in the 90s, a lot of stars were like that, you know? Well, there's yeah, that's what who, I was getting back to yeah. with Mad City in that. I don't know if you remember that one, but where he was like a uh, museum guard who gets fired. And so he comes Mm. back with a shotgun (laughs) and is trying to get his job back. And Dustin Hoffman is a news reporter who happens to be there and is trying to like capture the story. Alan Alda's in it as well. But uh, John Travolta is pretty much a loser. And that is that is the whole thread of the movie, and that he's trying he's trying to take back control over his life, yeah, uh, violently. Interesting. I, I, how does he do playing like low status like that? Because to me, he's always trying to be charming in some way. His characters, you know. 
I mean, I, I remember him doing a, a fine job, and that was kind of the okay. thing. I was like, oh, I should rewatch this trailer. I don't really remember. I remember liking and enjoying seeing it a couple times way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but that could like, be... you've never even really heard of it, so it's not that impressionable, <laughs> culture-wise. Yeah, but also I'm younger. I was not, you know, you were, cognizant yeah. of that coming out at the time. So, um, But I think that could be interesting. If he can play that they let Meeker role, you know what I mean? Like, it would be a cool dichotomy between him and then Travolta at his most, like, flashy, because he can get very flashy, you know? And, like, that would be, that would be interesting to see. I, I don't know if I would hate that version, honestly. But... It's still Polanski, so yeah. we're gonna distance but it's also ourselves Polanski. from that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um but and you're so to answer your question though, Kill yeah, about whether I think he's a good fit for this. There are times where I thought that he was not able to fully pull off the more confident one. You know what I mean? Like it just sounded a little too false at times to me. Like trying too hard to seem confident and like charming or like, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's what Sociable. I get from confident people. Sometimes like it, they're there they're is trying the that fake art, yeah. facade. Yeah, and I guess the fake facade does like lead itself to the themes too, right? That it's like all it is all an act. He's stealing from Simon's life, right? And none of it's true. He's a fraud. So, but uh, but for the most part, I think as the movie went on, uh, I really really enjoyed Eisenberg's performance as both characters. Yeah, I, I think there's just wonderful performances all around. A couple of the other actors we have, of the, of the main cast, is Mia Wasikowska. That's my best guess. Uh, <laughs> plays Hannah, the love interest of the movie. And then we have the magnificent Wallace Shawn as Mr. Papadopoulos. The boss of the weird work area that yeah. uh, Simon and James both work at. Yeah, maybe the best voice in any movie ever. I love Wallace Shawn. Hey, there's also uh, Kiki, the server at the restaurant, is played by Kathy Moriarty. And I recognized her from But I'm a Cheerleader. And I think I've shouted that movie out several times. Yeah, it's always a good one. And uh, Noah Taylor's in a bunch of stuff. Yes. Then there's some other cameos, like, throughout. It definitely seems that Richard had, uh, or excuse me, let's not not call him first name, is Mr. Iowade. Yes. Uh, had had quite a few friends that he called in favors from. We have a quick scene with uh, Chris O'Dowd as a yep. nurse, which is, is fun. Um, one Sally of Hawkins. My, I was going to say, one of Morris my was biggest too. crushes is oh. Sally Hawkins. She's fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, I feel you on that one. <laughs> Patty Considine as a... Uh, he's Jack in the TV show that uh, yes. Simon watches yes. throughout. I couldn't uh, remember his name, but it was like, oh, the cop from Hot Fuzz. Yeah, guy. he's somebody, too, that he, he can look really different, uh, you know, movie to movie. And then, of course, he's got the mustache in Hot Fuzz, so, like, it took me a long mm-hmm. time to adjust to him not having it in other things. So, Chris O'Dowd and Christopher Morris were in IT Crowd, and uh, Craig Roberts, who played the young cop, Yasmin Page, Sally Hawkins, Patty Considine, and Noah Taylor were all in... Uh, submarine which Iwate directed as well it's great i love that it makes it a nice little Iwate uh recurring players that's awesome and it's always nice when you have a actor turned director like he he can gather a bunch of people he's already worked with um he feels confident talking to them and he knows 
how to get performances out of people. Oh yeah. He was he seems really cool. And I was watching an interview about this movie and he mentioned that he says uh when he works when he directs he says I would never tell an actor like where to stand or what to do. Like you give them the script, they would do their interpretation and he would figure out everything and how to shoot it from their performance. So mm-hmm. it seems like he's a really good like actors mm. director. And I'm sure this comes from being an actor himself and having ideas about how to perform things and maybe feeling limited by direction, telling them exactly how to do something or whatever, messing with like his interpretation of his stuff. Char- so yeah, right. Character interpretation. Yeah. Right. And so it's great. I love that all the side characters in this movie do feel like alive in their own way. You know, like the surly waitress, his coworkers, like his boss. Uh, the guard. I love the yeah, guard. Yeah, the guard is incredible. And he's like... You see me every day, and the guard's yeah. first reaction is like, I don't work weekends. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, it's impossible for you to see me every day. I'm not here on the weekend. He is really funny in this. He's His good. scene at the, at the party when he's dragging him out, which is like, <laughs> are you questioning my strength? It was like, it's like yeah. dude, don't test my strength or something like that. Yeah, he's so yeah. good. I think my favorite characters were the detectives. Yeah. I just really like that exchange. Cops. Yeah, really where they come up, they're like pairing. asking him questions and stuff, and then he's they're like really somber, and then he's like he waved at me, and the the older cop is like, <laughs> oh, like it's so he's like really like gets this big smile on his face, like oh that's so sweet that he smiled at you before he committed suicide, lunged to his <laughs> yeah. side of the yeah. building. Yeah, I love the end of it though when they're like, uh, are you gonna commit suicide? And they're like, no, mark him down as a maybe. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's great, but it feels like even then, like there's a decision there by the actors to play them those characters a certain way to give them a certain relationship and rhythm. Like it's really great. I really do feel like the performances all have a life of their own. Uh, so yeah, so the the basic story of it is we are following Simon James, and he's so meek that someone tells him on a near empty train, "You're sitting in my spot," and forces him to move. He does not question it. He just does it. We and we, we get this kind of um uh reinforcement of how again non-person he is in his own life he's constantly you know coming up against people who don't remember him who don't care uh the waitress of the restaurant he keeps coming to is continuously rude and at one point hannah's asked is like well why do you come here and he's like well i guess i'm loyal (laughs) <laughs> which is he asked for orange juice and they bring him like blue water blue yeah it's like some blue drink yeah literally the opposite it looks color. Like, to be yeah. fair though if i was the only person on a train with one other person and they came up and were like that's my seat you need to move especially if it were a man i would be like okay and just move because i'm not <laughs> there, there's nobody else there and I am a woman, I would be like, that's fine, whatever. And I would just go and, like, stand by the door, kind of like he did. But, like... Even as a man, so, I probably would be so thrown off that I would... Yeah. Be I like, would meekly be like, oh, oh I guess this absolutely. is your spot. Yeah. I just am always <laughs> cognizant of, you know, possibly being murdered or, you know... Sure. Yeah. Taken. So I'd be like, yep, I don't want any trouble. I'm just going to go stand by the door and get off this train immediately as soon as the door's open totally uh so we're also introduced to like he has a very again it's like brazil he's just working at this kind of random company run by the colonel uh which is just another great character you don't really see much of him at all but it is it's such a that's his father-in-law james fox iwata is married to his daughter lydia fox 
Oh, wow. Ah. That, that, this, that adds a very interesting layer to this. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. He's a great, he's a cool, just like uh, all encompassing, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like all encompassing figure that sure. looms over the whole movie. It is really cool. Like we, and then see the- him, we see him in a picture, there's a commercial, and then a lot of times you'll see him like in the distance. Yeah. Not, 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 Simon doesn't ever really get any like FaceTime. It's a spectacular uh, character name, just the Colonel. The Colonel. Yeah. Yeah. And the the company's like call lock, so like it's Colonel would what logic or would just something like that, right? <laughs> Colonel uh, logic, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so he works in this kind of again. It's Brazil because they're doing all these things, and you have really no idea what what is going on. I love how later on he accuses James of not knowing what they do there, and his response is like, "Oh, you know this and that." Like, it really is just a whatever company. Uh, The commercial, I guess, does make it seem like it's a data gathering, um, being able, like, business intelligence type of weirdness. I I can't think of any of the lines right now. Right. Yeah. It's all all reports. Yeah. But that commercial they play has some really interesting lines about, like, uniqueness and how people aren't, or it's like, you're not special people are i think it's like the slogan at the end or something like that but it's all about individuality and like a weird selling a sort of individuality that's also like conformity it's all very uh like word salad like business corporate speak you know right and it ties into this whole thing of like we think we're unique and special and that there cannot be another person quite like us and this whole company seems to be taking everybody's data to make everybody uh predictable and non-unique and that they know how to sell things to you or i always think about the you know how uh grocery stores they have it down to a science where they're like if we put peanut butter on this aisle we will actually sell 12 percent more because it's next to this thing that people also buy oh they have like no clocks you know, you don't want, you don't see clocks when you go into the stores. Um, the the air they dehydrate the air sort of so that you're thirsty. It encourages you to buy more. That's why you don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. If you've heard that, I mean, it's literally everything is marketing. It's more than just like situating things on end caps that will yeah. appeal to certain. You know, it's it's like every single aspect of a store when you go into it, usually especially corporations, has been tailored to make you buy more. My problem is shopping while high and i'm just like oh i need these cookies these chips oh i'm thirsty let me get a big chocolate milk so uh in the place that simon works i keep looking at my notes to make sure i'm saying the right one because it is tough somewhat confusing simon james james simon simon meek james mean Uh, (laughs) hannah works in the same uh corporation she works in the copy room where Simon is constantly going to make one copy. And even Hannah's boss is like, oh, the weirdo's back. So we, we know this is a common occurrence. Yeah. And it seems like everything is working against him when it comes to, like, the world is keeping him separated from Hannah. Like, the, the fact that he has to sign in literally every single morning 
because they think he's yes. a visitor and it always makes him miss the elevator with her it's like even if he's even if he wanted to try to speak to her there's always something to get in his way her boss you know the well elevator. there's even a time yeah. when he does make it into the elevator and like he can't bring himself to say anything until right. she gets out and then it's like oh, 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 oh. um his mom lives in a retirement home she doesn't even recognize him when they watch the commercial with the colonel and like he's featured in it she's like which one was you well i me it was me <laughs> which one <laughs> Uh, oh, another of the great direction is when the uh, care facility guy is like, you know, you owe money and Simon's like going through his wallet and we have like a, a back shot and the wall is kind of blocking it. But we see the care guy's hand constantly just like <laughs> fidgeting yeah, that like is it's really about good. to pick up money. Yeah. And it's There's a... such a good shot. There's so much great lighting in it. I love the lighting in this. Yes. The lighting and the colors are yes. amazing. Yeah. A lot of cool storytelling through colors. Like you kind of started mm-hmm. to notice that like the color blue is associated with Hannah and this more kind of emotional as you know, the emotional side of this movie. Uh I think you see some blues with his mom as well. And then you have like the kind of like grimy yellow color of like the office and his apartment and like so much of this city. It's it's really, really well done. Hannah also has a a red like thing going on with her like all of her art is is red she'll come and touch the window to make like a little red dot constantly um Hannah is a palindrome yeah (laughs) that's really fun she works in the copy room I literally just pieced it together Mm. when you said copy room earlier Mm. but um I was gonna say I really like to this is where we all we also got to see that it's this is a weird like retro futurism it's like 80s level like TVs and computers and exactly like, that kind of like green dot matrix you know uh, operating systems and things like that. I really like that choice. It makes it, it makes it very fun. Again, it's another thing that brings me back to Brazil. I'm like, this yeah. is Terry Gilliam. So he even stalks Hannah. He has a telescope that is pointed right at her apartment and is constantly watching her throughout. Uh, and in doing this, he sees a man just like standing on the ledge and w- the man waves at him. Simon waves back and then the guy just plummets to his death. Uh, this is where we also get the the cops who are basically that's all they cover is suicides. Simon asks, oh, for the whole city. And they seem to imply we can barely keep track in this neighborhood. Yeah, we can barely cover the neighborhood. Ooh, that's what they say. I rewatched yes. this scene before recording today just because I wanted to refresh on a, a little bit of this movie. And yeah, they they are so funny. Their their back and forth is incredible. It's great timing from the actors. Oh yeah, and again, I love the line "put him down as a maybe." Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Hannah comes and like they they speak, and then they go have drinks at the the cafe. And this is where Hannah talks about how. She didn't really know the stalker jumper, but apparently he was following her, uh, was continuously at the office by her apartment to where the point where she confronts him and he says that he is totally in love with her and she unloads uh, what she said to the jumper, but it seems to be, it could be automatically directed at Simon and that... It's like, you don't know me. We've never interacted. You've just looked at me. 
stop looking at me and it's very it's very chilling yeah there's another cool i think decision right there to have the sound of the train outside starts like shaking the building as she yes. is like going on this you know kind of t- uh this rant about uh the stalker and what she said to him and so it gets really tense and like anxious when the the train is like the train horn is blaring and the whole building is shaking and everything's rattling and then she's building up an and energy. she's un- like a, unleashing yeah. all that yeah absolutely uh, no it's there's it's, also uh, it's another awesome. great he gets a phone call and hannah leaves in the meantime but then she leaves a note hey thanks for talking something like that uh here's a little coin play something on the jukebox and it's again the direction of it is amazing we just get the shot of hannah you know speaking the note and she tosses a coin at him he goes and plays a real fun song the coin is kind of cool it's it looks like um it has like a hole in the middle yeah mm-hmm. it's almost like a, like a type of european coin i think it's just a like, euro like or a asian note. yeah or yeah or something like that too yeah so at this point he is so infatuated he decides to pawn his tv to buy her earrings Oh, that was the other thing. She mentioned she just got her ears pierced. Isn't that right. kind of weird for how old she is? Uh, so he's going to the the ball that the colonel is throwing. Uh, that's mandatory. But it, <laughs> he can't get in because, uh, you know, he's not a non-person. But even before that, as he, he has the earrings, and he's in a dark suit now, his his formal suit. He's walking down the hallway, and it's the the song is still playing from the diner, and he's happy. He kind of jumps around, and lighting is is all crazy. It's just, man, Mister Iowata did such yeah. a great job. Seriously, it is like it's so visually just striking. So like almost every shot of this movie, it looks so composed. You know, God, you know he's fantastic. This was a really really nice surprise to learn that a that he was a director, then b a pretty good director. Like I was really impressed, and I really want to watch his first movie now, Submarine. I don't know if you guys have you guys seen that. I've not seen it. Yes. Oh, is it good too? Good. You guys will have to watch it. Uh, <laughs> what a cliffhanger! Seriously. So and this is where he meets Sally Hawkins as the receptionist. And uh, I, she has a great interaction with him as well of like, it's mandatory. No one would want to, you know, break in. Yes. Yeah. And she's like, don't, how, how do you know what I want? <laughs> she's really funny. This scene too is where, and this is the last time we'll be like, and it reminds me of this movie. I mean, actually, I don't want to make that promise, but yeah. uh <laughs> This scene, though, when he's being told he can't look, he can't go in, he like bends down and he looks through like a hole in the wall and sees into the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that reminded me of Barton Fink. And then I realized this movie has a very much has a Barton Fink feel as well, mm. where you're in this location and the dude where. opens the door and he's like yeah. leaning over. Staring yes. The <laughs> <laughs> but also, too, the fact that you see the band is like really old men, like just really old guys, like up on stage. And like everyone else in the party appears to be. Like everybody at the very company old. seems really yeah. old, except James slash Simon, Hannah, and then when we're introduced to Melanie, the Mister Papadopoulos's daughter. Yeah, but it, it, it the singer is a of... is a Finnish pop star. His name is Danny. Oh wow, he he ruled. Look, I loved the the band. They had such a great. The band look. is called the Islanders. That's that's his band. Oh man, oh that rocks. Yeah. 
Okay, I may, I may become a huge fan Spotify of the Islanders. Now. Yes, exactly. Booking tickets for the next tour. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets escorted out of the party by the guard, who again he just he has such a flat <laughs> affectation most of the time, and it's so great. I love it. Yeah, and in the scene too, he's like holding uh, Simon, and he's looking. He does. He's not looking at Simon. He's looking somewhere off camera. You can't see what you just, he's just staring in a like in one off direction. It's such a cool, yeah. It's such a funny performance. It's like he's not even worth looking at, really. Yeah, or observing. <laughs> uh, and so on his walk home, this is when he finally is. We get introduced to James. James Simon kind of walks past, can't see him. Uh, the next day is when he's on the elevator with Hannah. Tries to tell her like, "Oh, I bought you a present, but I didn't think it was appropriate." And her response is, okay. <laughs> Which I, I feel like there is... See, I think one of the things I really like about this movie is that I have felt that type of disconnect from people and humanity at times where, like, I I don't know what to say to someone. And that is a lot of this character. Yeah, an absolutely. An inability to connect to relate to have them you know view you as an individual instead of just a crowd of people and the dumb things that you do to maybe almost it's like try to get their attention you know and then you try to play it off as you just being natural but it feels like you yeah i, you, I totally get you i mean you feel alien in your own body making yeah, these weird like decisions you need one, yeah. you're making excuses to have yeah. interactions i need one copy yeah, and the entire time you know how obvious you're being. <laughs> mm-hmm. How everyone sees through it immediately. Uh, so James uh, gets introduced at work. Apparently he was from one of the sister offices that shut down. And nobody survived, not even the cockroaches survived. Uh, <laughs> but James did, he's still there. And uh, Simon automatically like passes out upon seeing his double... And I love uh, Wallace Shawn's lines at this point. Like, my cleaning lady's a diabetic. We just gotta shove a cookie down his throat. <laughs> He's doing exactly what he does best. You know what I mean? He's, like, basically playing his Incredibles character. Just the angry boss. Like, he's he's so yeah. good at that. Yeah. yeah. He, does, he does a, yeah, just a great job, like, coming in like, Hip, hip, all right, keep at it. Yeah, exactly. His energy is just it's perfect for this type of this type of world too. This like that voice that's kind of like a, it's I would never say he's got an annoying voice, but it is that sort of shrillness that you like associate with like a specific type of person. That's the word I was going to use. It's very shrill. He does a really good job with his facial expressions as well where he just looks so disappointed. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know, it's Seriously. that look that you're just like, "Oh, man." There's literally, there's no pleasing him ever. Just no matter what, he's going to look like he is upset at you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we should mention for anyone who is not aware of who Wallace Shawn was, he was the inconceivable guy in Oh yeah, Princess Bride. At his biggest role. He's also, you know, he had the dinner with Andre. He, he was the, he's the, yeah, absolutely. The he Mai is, the is referring to him. He, is the... he was in Clueless he is, too. He is the dinner. <laughs> I don't remember him in Clueless. I just remember Dan Hadea. Yeah, he's as the, the teacher. The, I forget oh, okay. his name, but he's the teacher that um, that Cher and Dion set up with Miss Geist. 
but also the the t-rex in toy story oh yeah of course rex in toy story rex. he's the butler in the eddie murphy haunted mansion movie he gets the famous line there's always my way <laughs> uh which is a good good uh good rendition of that famous line i scrub that movie from my memory i honestly i probably watched it like a dozen times as a kid because i was just the right age for that we got it on dvd (laughs) the minute it came out on dvd i guess that makes sense the age gap there would would do exactly yeah so i watched it a lot still cannot tell you a single thing that happens in any scene of that movie (laughs) aside from all sean says there's always my way and then a bunch of horse ghost horses bust through a wall yeah (laughs) so uh, they have the the walk together and they're finally meeting confronting they go to the diner and Jesse Eisenberg is having so much trouble even ordering a Coke and a bagel. Or no more bagels. I oh, guess I'll just have the Coke then. It's like so meek. And then James is like, well, I'm going to have coffee and scrambled eggs. Well, we don't serve breakfast at night. Well, <laughs> you have eggs, right? Yeah. And a frying pan. Well, then go make me some scrambled eggs. All right. I love how it comes out automatically. Like, there's no waiting for any of it. He gets it. There's no more Coke. We're out of Coke. This was was a scene to me where it felt a little bit like Eisenberg was doing too, you know, it wasn't like, it was too much, like you'd call it, like, too, I don't know. I just think at this moment, the performance didn't quite work for me, you know? He wasn't believable enough, I guess, at that moment. It seems so opposite of what we've seen so far with simon maybe that's it maybe yeah maybe it's just exactly aggressive it is it is the exact opposite of like how meek he is versus how aggressive charismatic the other one is maybe that's also just me getting used to the weirdness of this you know i'm still not like able to buy it yet like uh just like simon uh they go have a little fun at a club where Simon is again drinking the the blue liquid that looks like the hair Barbasol. That's what I kept thinking about. Yeah, yeah, like an aftershave maybe. <laughs> yeah, I and I love the conversation about like James is talking to two girls, comes back, and he's like, ah, oh, the brunette's crazy. You know, which one do you want? It's like you know you can have both, and his response is never again. <laughs> uh, they they get into a fight and then they run away. They're having merriment, you know, it seems like Simon is actually living life instead of experiencing or having it experienced to him. Uh, I do love just the quick shot of James spitting and then Simon tries to spit as well to be cool. So we're, we're already seeing this like the, the he's trying to emulate him. He's trying to become more of that character. I don't know. Do you guys think spitting's cool? I was just thinking about how in elementary school I thought it was cool. It was like all my yeah. guy friends would spit, so I was like, yeah. And now I look back Hawk on that movie. and I think it's a fucking weird thing. Spitting was cool. Hey, it, it can, it can cool, still be cool. Greg. It can yeah. still be cool. I mean, like I'm thinking of like when Clint Eastwood he spits in a western. That's always right. pretty cool, you know? Is it supposed to be like Maybe th- maybe their dads or their parents had did that chew stuff. Probably and it probably so is like nostalgic like, oh, for cool. some people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I'm old enough to chew, westerns. but I'm old enough to spit. I don't know. It is such a move of it is a move of confidence of like brashness. 
you know what I mean? Like, I care so little, I'm going to literally just <laughs> yeah. spit anywhere. <laughs> Do it, it, like, in front of people. Yeah, that's yeah. It's not a private thing. They're like, oh, exactly, there's no shame. Yeah. I don't care if you step on my spit. Mm-hmm. Or I guess spray you with it. Is that what it is? Is it that James is just shameless? Happy. Yeah. Is that what like coolness and can be? Is just not having anybody else's. You're not worried about what anyone else thinks. Yeah, totally, absolutely. That's definitely. I think this movie's view of like popularity is the people. These people have zero shame. People who like are able to be in the spotlight because of like you know they're kind of commanding the room that sort of thing it is you can't have shame you know you gotta just you're mm-hmm. you're just loud and you're <laughs> dictating the pace of everything yourself yeah so they're on a train ride i guess back to their place and simon is talking about oh how he does he likes this girl hannah talks to himself refers to himself as pinocchio and that he feels that he is outside of his body and that someone could just push his hand right through them and i i feel like that quite a bit in my life i feel like that it's it's kind of a i'm seeing all these humans going about it's like well how how are you just being yourself so naturally and i think that is the problem that simon seems to have of, of being natural being able to be himself and just allowing it to be now i'm just talking shit right <laughs> no 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 that totally tracks that makes sense um yeah i mean it is harshly relatable i think to a lot of people and something this does well is that like you know a little later we hear a very similar sentiment from another character and it's like everyone i think uh it's it's feeling so alone but it's it's kind of ironic because literally everybody feels alone together does that make sense that's got part of this movie is like mm-hmm. uh everyone feels like this and it's like a, such a normal human trait but everyone feels unique in the way they feel it yeah i think that's really well put in that it it is unique and at the end he says like i've always thought of myself as a unique individual right. but it's not yeah. unique to be sad like these people because it's it's such a common thing <laughs> as evidenced by their huge huge suicide rates <laughs> absolutely yeah Oh, that was another thing. The the cops are like, you know, he's he said in his note he was lonely. He should have gotten a dog. <laughs> like that is what's gonna solve the whole thing. So the the next day, as they're coming in, like Simon is about to sign in again, like he has to do, and James is like, oh no, he's with me, and the guard just like turns on a dime. Any friend of James is a friend of mine. <laughs> He's been working there for what? Seven, seven years. years. That's what yeah. he keeps no. saying. It's like, oh, oh, oh James here. has been there for like oh, less yeah. than a week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, to the point where he's even like, oh, we're going to do the switch. You're going to go take this aptitude test for me. I'll train Melanie. And uh, that's why he, Melanie starts being very receptive to Simon playing at, or to James playing as Simon. He even talks about how sexy data entry is, which is fun <laughs> since I'm in that field in my first you know, <laughs> professional life. <laughs> you're gonna get that like you're gonna get that quote framed and hung above your desk. Yeah, <laughs> right in my kitchen. Yeah, right, right there. Yeah. The 
Simon also is trying to talk to Hannah, and she is completely uninterested. She's, like, playing with cups as he's doing it. Like, they used to sound like crickets. And he's saying, like, ah, I don't need to come down here anymore. I fixed my printer with some elbow grease. And uh, as he leaves, James was like, "That that's erotic. Did you say that line? <laughs> it's like, a, yeah, it's a thing he, like, uh, told. He's trying to, it's like a, uh, where is it, Sergio Bergenek? Is that the name of the... Uh, well, uh, we we get to that in a second. It's it's Cyrano de Bergerac, yeah. Cyrano, so yeah. <laughs> eventually, right. Hannah comes up to Simon. It was like, hey, can we talk sometime? Uh, turns out she's interested in dating James. And I love the part where he's trying to get why she likes him. You've never talked to him. And she's just like, well, I guess it's just the way he looks. And you're like, he can't wrap it around him. I was like... We have the same face. Why does she not like me that way? Which, I another thing I'm sure we've all felt of, like, why doesn't this person like me? Why do they like this other person when I'm sure we feel more connected uh, yeah. spiritually and metaphysically than this other person? It's interesting because uh, I think in this, uh, you would probably call uh, Simon's character a, you know, quote unquote, nice guy. That's kind of how he, he views himself, and especially in this moment, being like, why not me? I'm nice, and women always like the bad boy type of thoughts that just aren't true, and uh, apparently have warped a lot of men's minds. <laughs> um, so it's interesting, because it's this movie, it's it's crazy to me that, like, Ayawadi is able to take this character that, by all means, should be very unlikable in his actions. He's literally stalking a woman and, like, spying on her in her bedroom and things like that. And yet he's still like a relatable, sympathetic character. It's a, uh, you know, it's it's it remarkable impressive. he managed to make him still like a good protagonist for the story. Well, when you're constantly being ignored, like, and that's something that we've all like had that slight, yeah, of 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 not feeling as significant or as important or as unique an individual that we all imagine ourselves to be. Hell, even his mother is like, I don't recognize you on totally. the TV. Um, so we, we're given a lot of sympathy, even though there are really bad aspects of the character. Yeah. Uh, I talked about in that interview where he mentioned Vertigo. I think specifically he was talking about the casualness of how sleazy jimmy stewart is in that movie if you look at his actions oh totally. and yet you're you're following him the entire time and still relating everything through him you know uh this character who's unapologetically like a creep <laughs> and uh potentially like gets people killed you know and yet we're still somewhat you know sympathetic to him i well okay to Somewhat. I have a lot of thoughts about Vertigo, and I think oh, it, it, it comes back to the obsession and him being driven mad by other people, and then him taking that out on somebody else. It just happenstance that that person he's taking it out on is one of the people that drove him mad. Totally. Uh, it's, yeah. I, I think that's something we could have talked about for Gemini June. I would have, you know, oh, yeah, perfectly. That would have been, but... been fantastic. Um, yeah, that's one of my one favorites. More movie. That's true. That's we never point. know what Kill's going to pick. But uh, yeah, seeing Vertigo on 70mm was one Ooh. of the highlights of like my theater-going experience. Yeah. 
that sounds <laughs> fucking incredible. But it reminded me too of like, uh, and I guess it makes sense because, but like, have you guys seen a lot of Brian De Palma movies like Body Double? This idea of your your character being relatable in the way that he is like a sleazy scumbag and the way that people can be all the time like everyone has these types of thoughts and ideas you Uh, know especially like you said if you're ignored if you feel like you're on the fringe of society and like can't find a way in what can you do except for look you know right randomly you made me think of um like body double but body heat is another movie yeah. where we have like william we're following william hurt and he's not a good guy but you are attached to him like you feel sympathy might be too well towards the end i feel like at the end you're sympathetic but like you're right he's so charming and like i don't know that's a great movie you turned me on to that movie i think about it all the time it's incredible it's very very good william hurt yeah he plays maybe one of the... He's so good at playing that piece of shit you somehow still identify with. and You still... Yeah, you still like. It's... Uh, yeah. So they go on the date with uh, Simon pretending to be James. They have a little earpiece in his ear. So we are doing the Cyrano de Bergiac with uh, James in the bathroom in his, you know, fun Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> It's a great like tiki themed restaurant too. It's it's such an odd scape to be in. It's like the Rainforest Cafe. There's like a yeah. statue of a gorilla next to our table. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, it. I would eat there. Hey. And Simon's doing such a bad job that he like goes to the bathroom, talks to James. James like, Alright, you're losing her. Give me your coat. I'll try to make things better. And as he goes back out, she had already been leaving. And uh, another just great direction is them in the, the, you know, a ways away towards the exit. And Simon cannot hear any of the conversation. The music gets turned up real loud. And as he tries to turn it down, the knob comes off. A guy comes to start a blender. (laughs) And as he's about to, like, maybe turn off the blender to hear, a guy starts another blender. Um, James and Hannah are fighting at the front. Yeah. Again, and I feel like that too. Like my life, as soon as I'm yeah. going to do something, oh, just. It's also great too because that that moment especially is like a good reminder. It's almost like sitcom humor, which you know mm-hmm. Ayuwade comes from doing like a sitcom, a pretty famous. So it's like I don't know. It still it feels like a really in the realm of his sense of humor. Yeah, there's a lot of dark comedy in this one, and I think this is some of the lighter bit. That's yeah. that's nice. That works with it. And, you know, it is interesting thinking about, like, the IT crowd, because that's a show about being stuck in this corporate environment as well, right? And I guess mm-hmm. this is a satire of, like, business and uh, like, being in this, like, it's kind of, it is kind of surreal, that show as well. There's jokes that don't really make sense and, like, are very kind of out there logically, you know? Like, there's not, like, that show's not realistic in a way. It is, like, an exaggerated no. reality. So He's this kind of feels like that. as well. Yeah. That's a very yeah. surreal show. And oh, that totally. one's more, yeah, fantastical. Definitely. Yeah. And this one interview I watched with Ayawada, but he talked about like how he he feels that movies like as a concept are surreal. So that like you don't you shouldn't be restricted by trying to be realistic in a in a movie. Exactly. Or in a story. Like it's already surreal. It's already it's... fucking weird that we're 
it's better like when watching it's this recording of that, reality yeah, yeah exactly like uh last time i watched moonstruck like that it's nobody acts like this no one talks of like this but it is so energetic and dynamic that you're like you're engaged with it and that's why yeah. like you identify or like connect with things i do really like the like so we're not hearing anything they're arguing she slaps him he kind of hits her back real quick and then like grabs her whispers something to her and they kiss and then that's when the whole restaurant like applauds them <laughs> another that just kind of good detail weirdly yeah. funny moment they do a little bow and then just run off and then to, to like the cherry on top that's when simon is then presented with the bill so we have a lot more of, you know, James is stealing a lot of Simon's work. He, like, seems to, like, take a report right from his hand and hand it to Mr. Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos mm-hmm. is like, oh, this is good. You should be more like him. Like, you, he just got hired. Why aren't you more like him? You guys should work together. We, uh, we have a scene where he gets a knife from uh, a random lady at his mom's retirement home. And when he asked the, the retirement guy, like, do you know that people have weapons here? He just, like, kind of sh- shows him his gun and slowly <laughs> covers it back up. Just, you know, a yeah, more the mom's the mom's are really heavy. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really heavy. There is, like, a, a real deep, like, sadness to that. Because his mom seems, appears to be senile as well. Mm-hmm. She's talking about how she thinks she's hearing one of her favorite songs. And he tells her, there's no music playing and you hate music. You don't like music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did notice she was the mom in Little Children, who was uh, Jackie Earl Haley's mom in that movie. Phyllis Somerville. Wonderful. Uh, but yeah, she does, she does a great creepy job. At this point, Simon sees uh, James with Melanie, and they're in his apartment, about to get busy. And he comes up with a great plan to, oh, I should call Hannah, tell her, I pretend to be James, and I want to see you. And she goes up, is turned away, and then Melanie's kind of upset and leaves as well. That's when uh, Simon is trying to get James to come clean, like, hey, I'm going to stop doing your work for you. Like, you need to tell Mr. Papadopoulos, you know, stop seeing Hannah, all these things. And that's when... James is trying to blackmail him with Polaroids of what James did to Melanie. And it is such a weird thing of like, I can blackmail you with pictures of myself. Yeah. This this is pretty freaky stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is where like, it was a, it was a really good sinister turn, you know? Yeah. Cause they, they are somewhat getting along up until then. (laughs) you know and the whole blackmail is to be well until he starts yeah he steals right but it's like you do for a moment in the beginning you know have fun along with the two of them like when they're running from the diner and things like that Mm -hmm. you know it is interesting how it starts off you know on a okay note with that yeah yeah and the whole blackmail is to just get the key to simon's apartment because he wants to take women there and says oh i might take some more you know don't don't be worried if there's different smells, which yeah. was a a chilling <laughs> line. Yeah, he has a couple really like gross lines. Yeah, 
you know the way he talks like so frankly yeah uh he has a great one in the restaurant when he comes he's like i'm just so frustrated because you're gonna die alone or like you're gonna die alone it's like i'm sorry that was mean i'm just yeah. so frustrated for you when he's uh <laughs> when he's trying to give him tips about going on the date as him and he's telling him about not doing anything gay and he's saying mm. he it's good to put your hand above just above like on a woman's the in her lower, lower back. back not her ass. yes because yeah because it lets them know that they're safe but also you can still push them down the stairs <laughs> which <laughs> yeah and then he has there's... the whole thing about ice cream it's like ice cream's gay and he's like what do you mean i like ice cream well of course it's delicious but in a cup yeah. not a cone only a cone if you're with a woman the dialogue is so quick there like the way he talks so rapidly like you mentioned earlier with the diner the way he rattles us off yeah it's very funny <laughs> that i mean that seems to be another distinction between the characters you know simon is always kind of stuttering you can't uh, find names unsure, to say yeah right and then james just puts it all out there there's no stammering uhs he just says it he would tear the asshole off an elephant if you wanted a piece of trim that bad yeah disgusting <laughs> yeah <laughs> really gross line like just one referring to a woman as trim, but then like the, uh, <laughs> you know, the visualization of tearing an asshole off an elephant. Yeah, it's 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 very Rude. very fun. <laughs> so Hannah and Simon uh, talk. She's concerned that he's going to be, um, or that she's che- he is cheating on her, and then that's when we get the scene of her talking about how he basically stole all of simon's words about how he feels about himself referring to himself as pinocchio and there's also another great lighting shot where hannah like steps into darkness and then she talks about you know you can push your hand through and like her hand comes into light and then the camera just swings to simon like in you know full light is is Again, amazing direction. So good. At this point, we see a random scene of Simon walking and he gives his shoes to a homeless man. And the homeless man I've seen in other things as well. He's like the Russian guy in Snatch. Uh, but he doesn't have like any lines in this movie. It was yeah, really there's... random. This is right before he gets caught in the garbage, right? Yeah, I was curious about that scene, too. I don't know. There is a weird thing with his shoes in this movie. I actually yeah. took a screenshot of a of a image right when I was re-watching scenes of this just before recording, just to refresh my memory and stuff. So very early on, when he's first watching the TV show like that Patty Considine appears in, um, he's sitting he on his a, bed looking at his TV. He and does he's a Mr. Got, Rogers thing he yeah. takes off his old shoes and puts on <laughs> tennis shoes that's that's what i was talking about there is a, a weird focus on the shoes they're white and black and the way he's sitting in the bed watching it like he's got the two pairs of shoes there it's like he's already he's like sitting aside for uh james even though he's not even there yeah i don't know it's something weird about this image the way he has his feet next to these shoes it, there's something yeah, about shoes in this yeah his because he's like his knees are pointing straight off the bed He's turning yeah. his torso towards the TV, and then he also has a glass of water that he's, like, about to bring up to his his face. It's, Did like, you... <laughs> kind of chest level. 
Yeah. And you just Are you looking at this right there. now, too? No, I'm, I just, I rewatched it, and I remember oh, it's burned yeah. into my, my brain. There is something about that image that is just strange. I can't even explain why it, it is so good. But something about the four, the two pairs of shoes, right? The four feet down there with, like, being white and black, the dichotomy. I don't know. There's something cool about it. It's a great little, like, strange piece of foreshadowing or something. All the direction is, it's just, yeah. it's wonderful. I want him to be directing so many more movies. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, Simon comes back to his apartment and James is there with a woman, uh, throws the shoes at him and then does like a little cut on his throat. And uh, yeah. Oh, he's with the the waitress. That's the other thing is that the waitress is is (laughs) in the apartment. (laughs) Uh, so he goes what was that her name is kiki oh kiki kiki yeah, put some damn respect on her name yeah kiki's waitress service uh, <laughs> he uh has to he's trying to get a new id you know for for work and they they basically tell him he doesn't exist that he, he he's not in the system he's not a person and I think this is something that like really pushes him past the edge to where he goes into uh, to talk to Mr. Papadopoulos, and James is telling a, a you know a saucy a, joke, and everyone's a just like, joke with, that yeah, doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Like it's guess, bad, yeah. but it makes sense. <laughs> it's uh yeah, but it, it's playing off Chinese pronunciation and that they all work at Chinese restaurants and uh, Papadopoulos is mad at him because he saw the pictures of Melanie and this is when Simon rips off the fake arm of somebody in the crowd and is trying to threaten <laughs> other people with it all the while saying like I am a person I do and that exist he, he stole my face yes he stole my face great line yeah. uh, and that's when the guard escorts him out, puts him on the train. He goes home and he's writing a suicide note and he's about to jump out of the window when then he sees that Hannah has beat him to the suicide gang game and has like flowers. She's on her bed with flowers in her hand, coins on her eyes. So he uh, calls the hospital. They take her to hospital. And, of course, thank uh, you. That's where we meet Chris O'Dowd as the nurse. Who is is really wonderful in the like one bit role that he has? He's trying to get information out of him, uh, like oh, how many pills did she take? All the while, some guy behind is groaning, and he keeps telling him to shut up. <laughs> like all bloody morning with this guy. He's great. He really comes again. It's all these characters really come alive in their short screen time. They all have something about them that is just memorable and like. He's the he. I think he is. He steals the scene so hard. He's so good, <laughs> and he's like a really memorable part of the movie. Even though it's literally probably less than just like the one thirty part, lines. Yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of the side people do steal the scenes that they're in. Like I, Sally. I mean, I love Sally Hawkins, so that's why she did it. But just her contempt for for him is just like on her face the whole time. Uh, every t- every time with the guard. The guard has such a good 
uh, persona that like I I want to see the whole movie with him. <laughs> and this is the point where we meet the doctor who is explaining what happened to Hannah and that it is the same actor as the guard. And Simon is thrown off about this, but we don't we don't get any more to this right. this could be a sign parallel. Could be a sign that are there doppelgangers out there or that he's cracking under mm-hmm. the stress of all this and just trying to figure out what's going on in the first place. Yeah. I I hear because I read up on the novel a little bit. I think the novel has more of him like seeing other doubles, other doubles. out in the world. Like, okay. him, like he sees himself in other roles. He starts to like see more than one doppelganger. Mm. And so it's more of like a there's a god of the bait in that book that is just the tale of a guy going insane because of his job and his <laughs> you know his social life falling apart. Um, so like you could still maybe argue it's possibly what's happening here as well. That well, he's just taking a random face and planting it on another person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the doctor tells him that Hannah had a miscarriage, but she should be fine. He ends up taking her back uh, to her apartment, and she's very unhappy. Because she doesn't think that she'll be able to work up the courage to do it again. And, and says to Simon, you should kill yourself. I promise I won't <laughs> stop you halfway through. <laughs> chilling harsh yeah uh she goes and lays down on the bed and then that's when she finds uh the the earrings that he was gonna give her and she also finds we didn't talk about her art really but she does a bunch of drawings on with red ink on paper she then seems to rip them up uh lick her fingers to touch a piece of paper to each of them and then blow them down the garbage chute to where uh, Simon then goes and tries to collect as many pieces of the art as he can and puts them in a little booklet. Real weird, but kind of sweet, right? I mean, am I wrong? One of those drawings. I don't know. The drawing where there's like two. (laughs) So Magritte has a picture called Not to be Reproduced, and it was commissioned by Edward James, and it's two identical like images of James, but his face isn't shown. So that was that one where it's like the back of her head, it looks like. Yeah. So yeah. that's I think that's kind of interesting as well, because the movie, the character is Simon James and James Simon, and there's two of them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. It's a great title for that paint, not to be reproduced. I love that. Yeah. Uh, there's also I was say a, too, a fun moment where she catches him, like trying to fish out the pieces, and his yeah. first line is like, I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> This aspect, though, where she's wearing his jacket and she finds the stuff in his pockets, like that booklet and the earrings. It's int- it's kind of the one time in the movie where I get a little, like, bumped by the fact that he literally is stalking this woman <laughs> and digging through her garbage to, like, you know, collect her personal items. And there is one scene earlier, I think it's, uh, she mentions that she knows about the telescope and that it's okay. Yeah, that it's a little creepy, but it's comforting as well. Yeah, I mean, I know this movie is like a, you know, satirical, but it is a little too forgiving, I think, of his stalkery nature and the fact that she ends up being kind of into it. You know, it's, it's I don't know, something kind of rubbing the wrong way about it. Greg, you've obviously never been in love. <laughs> oh, man. It makes you do crazy things. No, let's not. Let's oh, not, no, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> I'm not endorsing I, stalking or buying a telescope. 
Let's yeah, get that I up. just I feel like from from her end, she was a really good kind of like take on she's she's Simon's idea of a manic pixie dream girl, right? That he yeah. realizes that he has been projecting things onto and that she's her own person, right? That she's not going to be what he envisioned or wants her to be. So uh but then I feel like when she, when she starts being more into his stuff, I get a little like I don't know. I feel like it went against her character a little bit. She even has a line when she's talking about the original stalker, the guy who jumped off is like, "Oh, you know, um you know, men look at women, you get used to it." Right, yeah. And that that there was one that was continuously looking to you know. Yeah. I, that's kind of the take that I, since the the stalker dude in the beginning was just, that's why she just kind of seemed, because it was pretty obvious, like she, he would come down for, you know, like the single copy all the time when was digging through her trash and, and like she knew that he was being weird toward her, but, and even when he tried to give her whatever, she was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I think it's just, she's kind of used to it. So maybe that's something that happens in this weird dystopian society a lot. Um I mean, she says it. She says, I attract a lot of weirdos. Yeah. (laughs) And she's talking about Mm -hmm. the guy that's... Yeah. Well, and I guess there's a level of weirdness. Like, you know, Simon seems a bit more innocent than the guy who eventually did jump, so... Yeah, and I'm not trying to, like, discredit anything. If I know what I was going for, something... You know, because the ending doesn't feel like a happy ending, despite what is going on in that moment. It it feels a little, like bleak in its own so maybe it's not that he's gets the girl through stock and maybe it's not even like that i'm saying but i just i feel like at this time there's times where it's like he is playing a pretty like she calls him a snake at one point and you can't exactly disagree like he is yeah. being shady and <laughs> digging through her trash and spying on her and seeing all these personal moments you know um it's interesting but but uh out of the tone i guess of those scenes where she's looking at this thing he's made out of her garbage and she's like charmed by it i don't know it felt a little off to me i well i guess charm i mean to have someone i get so obsessed with you is that not somewhat yeah. of a but uh, yeah they also talk about how like yeah she she feels the same way he does right she feels ignored and she feels like outside she's of herself lonely, and things like that right. and then here's like physical proof that someone is thinking of you you know, and that you are like you are special to someone. Okay, I mean, it's, I kind of get weird. it. It's weird. It's sweet, but it's it's still yeah. weird. <laughs> um, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we'll go through. Apparently, the mom dies. He gets left of a voicemail on his answering machine that the she her request was to be buried at night. So they're doing it at midnight right now. He has to end up running there, and when he does, uh, he sees that James is is already there as well. With some, I don't know, some woman, and she's like, "Hey, why do you, why do you have his face? Are you mental? Are you mental?" Uh, I just loved her accent, asking him that continuously. Are you mental? <laughs> uh, Simon eventually hits him, and hits James, and when he does, he notices that his nose is also starts bleeding. So anything that happens to James is also happening to Simon. Uh, he gets knocked out. But when he does wake up, he runs, goes to Hannah, tells him he doesn't want to be held up by strings anymore. That's when he goes to the room. He handcuffs James to the bed. uh, Ends up taking the knife as well. He calls the police. 
uh, tells him that he's looking at the guy who's going to jump while he's looking in the mirror. He cuts his face, and then all of a sudden, it's all the cut is also on James' face, and it's painful. And so he decides, or he jumps out the window. He hits the net that is referenced earlier when the first guy commits suicide. Like, if he had hit the net, probably would have bounced. Maybe could have survived if they got him to hospital before his brain started swelling. Chekhov's uh, suicide awning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when he hits, he hits the ground, and it's such a, a, a weirdness that I love, is that his hand is then also suspended in the air. And we cut back to James is now the, dead uh, yeah. on the floor <laughs> with his arm being handcuffed to the bed, like right ab- above him. Um, so they're still they're still connected. They're still really the same. And Hannah comes down and tries to comfort, holds his hand. Uh, he seems to be alive, but he's put into the ambulance and is taken away. And. He sees Hannah, who has put on the earrings that he bought her. And then we also see the colonel, who is giving him words of affirmation. Uh, And it ends with him saying, like, yeah, I've always thought of myself as pretty unique. And he dies. That's that's where I took the movie. His ultimate fantasy before death. Yeah, exactly. He's that's not literally what he's seeing, right? He's seeing a version of Hannah that accepted his gift and is wants to be with him, and then he sees uh the colonel, a a weird kind of like you know, uh god of this world, sort of, yeah. right? In a position to be that way. That's a big part of it too, is that uh James becomes like senior executive after after meeting the colonel. Like getting to After a week stealing his reports. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Simon does seem, like, genuinely concerned about how he appears to the colonel. Like, he like, screams, like, this isn't me when he's getting dragged into the party and the colonel's, like, getting his picture taken, mm-hmm. you know? And then the freak out when he sees the executive thing. Like, he does have a reverence for the colonel himself. And he's very, very concerned with how the colonel would think of him, I guess. Yeah, it's the praise we all desire at work and at home. Like, we want yeah. someone that's going to be there on both sides of our professional life or our lives because it we are fractured uh between personal and professional yeah so i could totally absolutely see that take on it yep he is dying his brain is hemorrhaging they mentioned brain swelling to detectives yeah. when they're talking earlier about like if you could you would survive if you can stop the brain swelling in time i think is what the young detective says and so yeah if that's happening if his life is diminishing this is like a jacob's ladder-esque like yeah last yeah, dra- yeah. Mm-hmm. the last thing you would want is is you know praise and to be told yeah. that you are an individual and special or if you want to look at it in an optimistic sense like i kind of like i tried to uh when watching this was that like he confronts his shadow right and he overcomes it he comes out the other side yeah he embraces it in a way and then yeah is reborn uh, there is a nice image when he's he gets knocked to an open grave at the funeral, yeah. and then he's coming out of the grave, and he looks up, and the first thing he sees is like the big glowing cross, like on top on the building. Like there is a nice like resurrection, resurrection with if you're at yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, well that was the movie. Should we uh, give some final <laughs> thoughts 
rate it? What do we want to rate okay. this out of? Um, Simons. Simons. <laughs> out of Simons. Eisenbergs. Just Eisenbergs. Yeah, how many Eisenbergs? Uh, ooh, ooh. How about copies? Because he's copies. always going down yeah. to, to Hannah to get copies. Uh, That's good. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's do it. I'm I'm the host. I will start. I I love this movie. I think this is such a phenomenal job, um, especially directing. I think Mr. Iwade it is leaps and bounds better than a, a bunch of shit I've seen recently, <laughs> even from like established auteurs. Like rewatching this really kind of energized me to like I want to reach out to him. I want to say, hey, why aren't you directing more? This is so phenomenal, uh, visually stunning. There's oh another great shot that happens when Hannah runs out to to get uh, Simon as he's laying on the ground dying. It's uh, a moving shot. We're seeing her run, and then as she reaches Simon, the camera keeps going. It keeps going like you know twenty five more yards past, uh, and it's just it it's done so well continuously throughout. I think the the acting is really superb. I like all of the cameos, the really small ones. I think Eisenberg does a, a tremendous job kind of balancing both that meek and evilness that uh, James represents. Hannah is... Or Mia Wachikowski, Wachikowska is, is fantastic uh, as the, you know, the lady that we put all of our hopes and dreams onto that she is very she's nothing when we first see her and then we we kind of keep getting more and more and more of the fragileness of it and that she is just like simon to a degree uh he has another double out there it's just not the the one that we're experiencing oh interesting i i have to go real high on this with uh, 4.5 i i would be hard pressed to say things that i i dislike about it i don't think it it reaches a a perfect five copies 4.5 copies but it is just so tremendous there's a vision to it and i think it it strikes me as a near masterpiece wow well hot damn some strong words uh yeah i can go next I yeah I pretty much 100% agree with you it's like it, it's just cool it's just refreshing too and it's like uh he is a comedic actor like known for a very specific role and it's just really great to see the the depth and range he has as an artist you know beyond his performance his performances in front of the camera and uh listening to the interview he is like he's a very very intelligent guy and mm-hmm. it comes through in this movie it's really thoughtful but it still finds that time to be surreal and funny and like you know very very watchable even though it's bleak and uh pretty upsetting at times you know and creepy yeah it's great the whole world has this distinct vision it's obviously pulling from a lot of other things too it doesn't make it's not trying to hide the fact that it's very inspired by like hitchcock and uh you know things like brazil and probably you know uh every other movie i mentioned barton fink and eraserhead things like that but it still manages to feel unique and in Ayoade's voice. Yeah. 
I'm going to say, because I, I still do have my scruples about a few parts of like <laughs> Eisenberg's performance and then the way that uh, Hannah's character is handled a little later. I don't know. I could probably get away over those things on a rewatch, but I'm going to say like 4.25. I'm not going to go full 4.5, but yeah, I think it was great. I'm going to definitely be rewatching it. Cool. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I already like Richard Iwate a lot. Uh, I've seen this movie before um, because I do have a crush on Richard Iwate. Um, Who doesn't? I've seen a lot of his stuff. Good point. Good point. Um, so, yeah, so the direction was really great. It was a very unique movie. Um, Mia W's accent was all <laughs> yeah. over the place. Um, I did not like that <laughs> that bothered me accents in movies really bothered me because i feel like it's part of the job is to like do a good job with accents and when somebody does that poorly with it it's irritating to me um but i yeah i thought it was really i liked the mood i really enjoyed a lot of the humor in it um i'm not a huge fan of jesse eisenberg uh he did a good job with the meek guy but i just don't buy him as a confident person yeah um like bringing up like travolta i don't know if i would i would buy travolta in the meek person role um but it's it's hard to yeah i just didn't really buy him in the confident role but i guess he was kind of skeezy did a good job with that um so i am going to give it 3.5 sheets of copy paper it's a great kill score though yeah copies And I definitely see what you guys are saying about the uh, James portrayal. Um, He's he's an annoying confidence. And I think that uh, strikes better in the movie because we're seeing that as well. We're seeing how Simon is interpreting it as well. Yeah. And it drives you even more crazy because you're like, why can't everybody else see that? Yeah, that it's, it's like, like I'm it's, the nice one. I'm actually right. like a good guy, and he's not. It's insincere, yeah. and you guys are just eating it up continuously. He's the only one who notices that he's a fraud, even right. in the way he looks. Right, his very face yeah. is yeah. Even when Noah, so Taylor, I see like, what you mean. He, he drags Noah Taylor, and it's like, doesn't he look like someone? And he's just like, uh, who do you mean? Well, me, obviously. For for <laughs> instance, like, oh, I guess so. Yeah, totally uh and you know it's a it's a quick 93 minutes it's it's really not that bad it it goes by very quickly since i i did two watches for this yeah i got through like one and a half all the movies this month have been around 90 minutes right am i remembering correctly wasn't dark half two hours oh you're right dark half is pretty long it's like 210 yeah Yeah. george romero at one point became very not brief he he uh you really, you know, <laughs> let his movies breathe. Anyway, uh, next say, week. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I was thinking of an actor who actually has played something like this and done really, really well with both halves is like Eddie Murphy in The Nutty Professor. <laughs> I think that is a really great case of somebody playing incredibly meek, yeah. self-conscious, and then the more confident version of that person and making both incredibly enjoyable. Oh, me too. Yeah. He's amazing. And you know what? Bowfinger, and Bowfinger as well. Really Absolutely. Oh my god! This, the double role. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. Totally. I was kind of thinking of someone who has kind of Norbit. that Eisenberg <laughs> physicality. Is that Jay Boucherel guy? Am I saying that right? He does the yeah, Hot yeah. Yeah. Dragons and yeah. he's friends with the Seth Rogen people. Yeah. Um, yeah, he because I've seen him. He plays a lot of like the nerdy, nasally kind of dudes, but I've also seen him in things where uh, I think Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. He's like the biker, like kind of cool guy. He's played both of them, but I'd have to revisit Nick and Nora. But I I would be hard pressed imagining him as the asshole. He's just, he's so, like, nervous energy. But I guess, you know, thinking about it before watching it, I would probably say the same about Jesse Eisenberg. Totally. I was going to say uh, Michael Sarah, but didn't he do something kind of similar with the movie already? What is it called? Oh, Youth and uh, Revolt. Oh, Youth and Revolt. Youth and Revolt. Yeah, yeah I like I never that saw. movie. I know not a lot of people like that one, but that one And hey, I mean, I think he's, he's one where he also is, it's also strange for him to play confident and, like, you know, douchey, but he's done it in movies before, and it's always funny because of because of who he is. You know, right? Like in when he plays himself, and this is the end. Like it feels so unlike Michael Sarah that makes it even funnier. You That's know, right. like it's so out of character for him. He he's the one that like slaps Rihanna's ass, right? Yes, is that him? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. Oh. So All I right, think this week. could work with him too. It would just be more broadly comedic, I think, with that. Yeah, kills next ready week. to go. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> well, it's all, it's we've been doing this for a long time today. So yeah, uh, next week we have something, um, another movie. It's our last twins movie. Um, it's uh, something we'll be able to find on Shutter, and it's called The Similars. It's going to be our first subtitled movie on the podcast as well. A very exciting yeah yes. a double for 2014 uh, their 2014 pick very strange i guess this this might this subgenre just had a real revival because wasn't had one i year. love 2013 yeah well I this was 2013 this is a oh okay really gotcha good yeah the one i love was too um i think this is a really good double subgenre i've realized that i actually really enjoy it it's not something that i yeah if i list like movie horror movie subgenres or movie genres as having doubles and uh, like doppelganger stuff i I wouldn't really list that as one but i've actually really enjoyed some of these three they've all been five movies right they've all been pretty unique like i mean even like uh the other two, <laughs> the two that you guys, yeah, Dark Half and like Twins of Evil, they're more action heavy, but they also still have these weird psychological themes to them that are it's like inherent to this, a doppelganger movie. Yeah, and even though it is the same subgenre, they're all really different, unique movies yeah. too. That have just a different ways take to do on it. it. Yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah. Well, as we discussed, I mean, we're all we all live through a, a certainness of it where we feel like you know two different people who we are actually and who we have to present. Right. So it's it's been yeah it's been a fun fun month so far. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. You can always e- uh, talk to us. Email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail We have both Twitter and Instagram, both at weeklymassacre. Hit us up. Let us know if you have a crush that you have been maybe uh, looking from afar way too long. If you collect trash to make art we'll projects, that one to the FBI. Yeah, yeah, we'll forward it right to the, you know proper authorities. Um, yeah, you have to stop trying to get people to incriminate themselves in contact with us. <laughs> well, at least it's not incriminating us. We're just we're doing our service as you know. If you're stalking someone, stop. 
You don't have to tell us <laughs> yeah, about it. Please. Just stop it. <laughs> Murph's going to wet his beak here, though. He's going to send that ransom letter. Get some you know, help. I know what you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then. Uh, we'll oh, my talk God. To you all that's next genius. Week. Okay, so you've been planning this, so that's how we're going to fund the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's just blackmailing and extorting people. Our listeners. All the criminals. Contact you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Be aware, That's listener. Really Anything you say to us, we will use to our advantage. Yeah. yeah. If you don't Not subscribe me, though, I was, to I our don't Patreon, know about it. <laughs> we will be turning this information over to the proper authorities. <laughs> so be warned. Uh, well, until next week, I am Murphy from Portland, but everyone calls me Michael. Yeah, I'm Adam Greg from Los Angeles. I'm Kill. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>